the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. Woohoo! Hump day. Yeah, it's hump day. And y'all better keep humping and humping and humping if you look at these latest inflation numbers. Ooh, but according to Biden, it ain't his fault, man. Y'all need to understand. It's all about that Ukraine, right? I know. I can taste it. Yeah, he can He can taste our frustration, right? I'm still tasting that yummy egg quiche that I just ate out of, out of the cafeteria. And I'm fantasizing over the rhubarb pie, strawberry rhubarb pie. I had strawberry rhubarb. That, yeah, that they're selling up at the the old Top Gun house up in the, from the movie in Oceanside is now a pie shop. And of course, I have to think about Top Gun because Dave Elhoff joins me now. And y'all know the story of him being a former backseater Navy fighter pilot. But the bef- real Top Gun. The real Top Gun. But before we go to Elhoff, I got to play y'all a clip. From Larry Kudlow, because it's, it's, we, I could pull all these clips from uh, Joe Biden blaming Putin and Russia. And, well, let's get some real uh, information. Putin, yeah, some, he was blaming yesterday. He blamed the ultra MAGA and he blamed Putin. He blamed this. He blamed that. You know, he blamed everybody but, you know, his dog that he had to get rid of at the White House because it was biting people, right? Um, trying to get out ahead of today's inflation numbers and trying to tell people um, that it's not nothing he's done is his fault. Fault doesn't have anything to do with his policies. Before we bring in Elhoff, I want to play a clip from Larry Kudlow and what he has to say about uh, things going forward. And by the way, stronger inflation number is a theme. It's now what, 15 or 16 month theme, and it's going to continue. There is no let up in the inflation rate. And I just want to note a couple of things here. Uh, Food prices are uh, skyrocketing, really out of control, up 12 percent at an annual rate for the past three months, 9.4 percent overall. Um, The CPI itself in the past three months up close to 10 percent, 9.9 percent at an annual rate. And if you take out Vladimir Putin, uh, energy and, and food prices, you're still up about six and a quarter percent, which kind of puts the lie to what President Biden was saying yesterday. I mean, this is going to be, you know, buckle your seatbelts. This is a problem. The problem's not going away. Uh, you know, you get higher base from last year. The comparisons are a little tougher, but you're still running over 8% overall. And the short-run numbers, as I said, almost 10%. It ain't looking good for us going forward, Elhoff, is it? No, it's not. And I tell you what, can you be more clear on the different policies from the Trump administration and the Biden administration? And he keeps on saying that it's not his fault. 
Well, he started in with a whirlwind of reversing everything that Trump did. Folks, you need to be able to look at that and say, where were you feeling better? Are well, you feeling better now after he reversed everything Trump did? I'm telling you, folks, until we get this idiot out of there, we're in trouble. We are. And he yesterday he said, oh, compare the two plans from the ultra MAGA to us. He said the ultra MAGA um, wants to raise the taxes on the middle class. And what we want to. Yeah, he goes. He said and what we want to do is we want a lower cost for families. The government doesn't make anything. They don't produce anything. They only affect the conditions on the ground that affect prices. So don't buy into they Americans need to understand, Elhoff, that the government doesn't have a switch. They can't go. They're pretending that they can go to certain industries and magically make baby formula, that they can actually flip a switch and lower prices. That's not true. What causes prices to go down is when you have greater supply than you have demand. But that's even a, 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 a overly simplistic view, right? Um, right? What what Trump did, and people need to understand this as we're going into the midterms, is he did lower taxation. He also removed a lot of regulations. He also created conditions on the ground, like opportunity zones for African Americans that, that created an environment that made it possible for people to start businesses and grow businesses here. And by taking all that away, we didn't just increase gas prices. We also stopped the in, the increase of, of manufacturing and jobs, making it even harder for us with these supply chain issues coming out of China. Am I right? You're absolutely correct, Andrea, because I tell you, the problem isn't America. The problem is the restrictions that are put on America taxes, regulations, risk, deflation, inflation, all these factors. And you know, no one takes this into consideration. And you need to know where these eroding factors are taking place. And inflation is like a tax. And this clown that's out there thinking that we're going to make everything better by going all green and shutting down oil production it's absolutely asinine what he's thinking and what the left think about the American economy. The American economy is based upon free enterprise. You go out there, you build a product that someone wants, and they buy it. And that creates demand for that product. Take a look at Apple with the iPhone. It would take a look at all the different things that are going through a constant change of what is taking place in the world today. And this guy has put a stop and put his foot on the throat of American production. Absolutely true. We're talking to Dave Elhoff, financial thought doctor. And um, and the reason why Trump knew exactly what to do when he got into office and could have done even more. Think about what he could have done if he had not had Paul Ryan in as Speaker of the House, Mr. Open Borders, New World Order, funded everything Barack Obama wanted. They fought him, um, not just in the House, but Mitch McConnell in the Senate, fought him tooth and nail, and he still 
is responsible for the greatest economic revival in this country. And, um, and, and everything that he did, I, I, where would we be right now if we hadn't had that foundation? Because look at the damage that Biden has done in a year and a half. I want to read some stats for some people. Gasoline is up 43.6%. Used cars are up 22.7%. Meat, fish, and eggs are up 14.3%. New cars up 13%. Electricity up 11 Food at home is up 10.8%. Transportation is up 9 And yet in the middle of all that, Dave Elhoff, 70% of, of House Republicans voted yesterday to spend Spend forty billion dollars to send forty billion dollars to Ukraine. Your thoughts on that? Oh God, it's got to stop sometime because, folks, you can't spend money that you don't create, and this money is created out of thin air. It is not money that we have in the bank. It is not money that we have. It's money that is being put on the backs of future generations in America. Mm-hmm. It is money that we may never pay back, but our kids and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they're the ones that are going to have to mm-hmm. pay it back. Yeah. Um, Jen Psaki was asked today, um, to a follow-up question, Biden said yesterday that he does not believe massive spending matters in regards to inflation. Jen Psaki was asked about that today, uh, and she confirmed that Biden does not believe that massive spending matters in regards to inflation. Can you help the average? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. There's <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But the average American who's not, you know, a financial wizard like a whiz like you are, he might hear that and go, oh, okay, because we're not teaching. We don't even teach people how to balance a checkbook in this country. And they might hear that and not understand. Explain to people why massive spending is part of an inflation problem. We have $30 trillion in debt. I got to tell you, folks, you got to go to the uh, debt clock on the Internet and check it out how fast we're spending money. And then you also need to, if you'd like to, I will send you a link that shows you how much a trillion dollars really is. Because you talk about and you throw around these trillion dollar figures mm-hmm. and you say, well, million, billion, trillion, that's no big deal, right? It is a big deal. It's a monstrous big deal. And what is taking place in America today is these congressmen, the senators, and the administration, they have no clue. Yes, spending more money is going to cause inflation. Creating more money is going to cause inflation. When you increase the M2, historically shows that you're going to have inflation. And it is eventually going to go to a recession, and it's going to be painful. I mean, listen to the federal board that is out there. Powell's coming out and say it's going to be painful when it finally comes down. They're trying to to create a soft landing, but they have no control over it. 
Well, and you know what? The Republican Party, we got, we can't let them off the hook. At we, when no. was the last time we had a ballot, balanced budget? They keep doing these omnibus spending bills, kicking and it, kicking the can down the road. And September rolls around and it's, oh, we, you know, we have to raise the debt ceiling because we can't default on our loans. And then it just grows and grows and grows. And I blame a lot of the debt on, um, George W. Bush. Because in 08, at the end of 08, going into 09, he came before the American people and said, um, we got to spend all this money because we got to bail out all these, you know, um, big money outlets and um, or, you know, the economy will completely crash. And so they spent, well, I think it was over a trillion dollars then. And, and that's when the American people just got used to hearing that T word. Right. Well, I'll tell you, that's why Trump. Not being a politician and being a businessman knew how to go in and negotiate new deals. And that's why things were going great during his administration, because he forced he forced other countries to step up and pay their fair share. And that's what we need. We don't need a career politician, a multimillionaire like Joe Biden who's never done anything to produce an ounce of equity in his life other than to be a politician and to, well. Well, he equitably, he, he equi- equitably used his power as vice president of the United States to do some income redistribution across his family to the tune of millions and millions of buku bucks. Uh, working with communist China, uh, one of the most corrupt countries in the world, Ukraine, while they're, we're now being built for Ukraine, um, Russia. So that's, that's the only, uh, equitable outcome he's gotten is he made all of his family members equally rich. Um, he, so he's got, and, and then on top of it, you add in the fact that he can't even conjugate a verb, doesn't even know where he is half the time. So the vast majority of the American people, no, that that he's not going to be president in 2024. The question is, are we going to have a country left by the time somebody else steps in? Because even if we take the House and the Senate in the midterms, he's still going to be in the White House. But all spending originates from the House. So there are some things the Republican Party can do. Before I let you go, Elhoff, financial thought doctor, there's a story out of San Francisco today. Now, I know you spent some time in some barracks or having to share bunks with some mates when you were, you know, flying around doing your little Navy flyboy thing. But that's actually now um, happening in New York in the rental market. There is all these startups now to where it you can rent a pod like a bunk bed pod for $800 a month and there's 13 share in a room like they're in it like they're in a dormitory like they're in basic training that's how bad we are in this in our economy right now that it, well I tell you what there is nothing new look at Japan that was going on quite some time and I think it's still going on in Japan where they ran a bunk you're absolutely <laughs> correct Unreal. I mean, I that, I got to go back to my to my LSU days where you know I'm sharing a room in Herget Dorm where it's barely enough room for two twin beds, right? I mean, yeah. I yeah, I had no, we had no room when the beds were out. There were like futons that you pull out of the wall. You couldn't even walk in that space. I don't want to live like that again. So now we're being turned into Japan. Well, there you go. And the other thing is, you know, you talk about a twin 
that you share. Did you have your own bathroom or did you have a shared bathroom with the entire floor? Oh, we had to share the, we had to share a bathroom with the entire floor. And let me tell you, uh, you think about 50 women all having to share four mirrors in a dorm. <laughs> right? <laughs> all of them trying to fight to put a face on in the morning. It wasn't pretty. It was, I usually, well, I usually so won tough. though. I usually won that battle. No surprise to you, right? <laughs> that's, what I, that, that's why you're so tough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, financial thought doctor. How can people get a hold of you? Because I know you can help them figure out how they can avoid spending $800 a month on a pod. It's very simple. 619-548-0965, or Dave at Elhoff, E-L-H-O-F-F dot com, Dave at Elhoff, E-L-H-O-F-F dot com. All right, my dear. Thanks for being here today. All right. Have a good so one. Good. Cheers. All right, now y'all stay tuned because there was really an interesting story out of Arizona today. It's the first time in eight years since Arizona did what they did today. And we're going to talk about it when we come back. And then I'm going to want to get your perspective on it because I think it's kind of controversial, at least in my family. So I'm going to put it out to you guys on how you feel about this. 888-344-1170. Stay with us. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show, 888-344-1170. So today, the state of Arizona executed its first incarcerated man in nearly eight years. His name was Clarence Dixon. He died by lethal injection. Evidently, he decided to turn them down on uh, the option of the gas chamber. Um... Um, I guess there had been a, a hiatus that had been taken in the part of Arizona uh, because there had been an allegation of a botched death penalty, a, a botched execution. Evidently, there was another guy who um, gasped for air about 600 times before he eventually died. And so he snorted uh, wood, the guy who suppo- supposedly had a botched execution attempt. How was it botched when he died? Um, I guess it, they considered it botched because Wood um, snorted repeatedly and gasped more than 600 times before he died. Well, how many times did his victim gasp before death? The guy who was executed today, Dixon, um, raped, strangled a, a, a young woman and str- he, he beat her, he raped her and he strangled her with a belt. How much did she snort and gasp? I'm curious what you guys think about the death penalty. I'm, I'm pro-death penalty. I've always been pro-death penalty. In fact, when I was in college, I actually gave a speech in speech class uh, regarding the death penalty. Um, but I know that it can be considered controversial with Christians. I know that there's Christians who say, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Um, I think that, um, and some people say, well, how can you be pro-life when it comes to abortion and then think it's okay for a human being to take the life of a convicted murderer? And I say that 
a, a baby inside a womb is innocent and, and has done nothing wrong and doesn't deserve to be given the ultimate punishment of death. But somebody, and, and according to our criminal justice system, somebody who, it, and it's, and it is interesting how the death penalty can apply in some states and, but that's how we are, a, a republic of states and even how within certain jurisdictions, how some murders will be charged with the death penalty and others not. It can depend on whether or not there's, um, extenuating circumstances. Is it a particularly gruesome death, right? Was there lying in wait involved? You know, how was the death perpetrated? Um, to me, all murder should be met with murder, in my opinion. I don't have any problem with this. Um, when I was in college, <laughs> when I was given my speech class, um, what had happened was that, I don't know if this is an interesting story, but I'm kind of tired, so I'm going to tell it anyway, because this is my show. But I was t- took a speech class when I was a poli-sci, poli-sci major, you know, thinking I was going to go to law school, right? And I was going to be, you know, Miss Thing in the courtroom. So I had to give a speech, right, at my first speech. And the speech instructor was... Uh, uh, gave us an assignment of a demonstration. Well, I do not, I'm not crafty. I don't know how to demonstrate. I don't make anything. Okay. I, I talk, I'm a communicator. Okay. I don't do, I don't do knitting. I don't do crochet. Okay. I don't paint. So somebody was like, well, here's what you can do. You can actually, you can demonstrate how to make a grilled cheese sandwich with an iron. <laughs> well, needless to say, it was a hashtag fail. And the instructor, the professor excoriated me for how bad my demonstration was and my speech was. And I thought, I'm going to show you, lady. I'm going to knock it out of the park with my next speech. And we were allowed any topic that we wanted to uh, give. Well, at the time, there was all this dust up going on with uh, people being executed via the electric chair. And in fact, there had been a case recently of somebody who suffered a really long, agonizing death in the chair not long before I gave my speech. And people were in a major uproar over this, over how this man suffered in the form of getting an execution. And I looked at what he had done to his young victim, and I thought he didn't suffer near enough. And when I was done with my speech at 19, I not only got a standing ovation from my professor, but the jaws among my other little fellow 19-year-olds who, you know, had never suffered anything in their life but maybe a bad king cake at some point out of New Orleans were horrified as I gave excruciating detail as to what happened to somebody in the chair and how it wasn't painful enough when they take the life particularly of a child, which is what had been the case of this person who got the chair in Arkansas at the time when I gave the speech. There's this old saying that if you're not a liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not a conservative when you're older, you have no brain. I was never a liberal. We had a lot of jokes um, earlier. I mean, am I cruel? I mean, what are your thoughts, Skins? I mean, if you if you feel like sharing, it's very controversial, I get it. Because a lot of people say, look, I, I I believe in redemption. Carla Faye Tucker in Texas accepted the Lord. And a lot of people were fighting for her to not face the death penalty because she accepted Jesus Christ as she was an inmate. She did, went around and witnessed to a lot of people in prison. And there were people that advocated for her to not face the death penalty because she repented of her sins. Well, that's not what the... Punishment is according our, our criminal system doesn't say this crime is punishable by such and such except unless you except and unless you become a Christian and become a good person in prison. That doesn't mitigate your sentence. That just means that it, that if the Lord forgave her, she got to go to heaven when she passed. That doesn't mean you get away with committing the crime of murder, right? 
Um, we had some laughs before the show as to there's there's one guy somewhere in the country who's who's got the death penalty and he's decided that he wants to choose death by firing squad. That's is that. Well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a, you know, kind of a, a cool way to go. You know, maybe if you want to impress people on the way out that you're like a tough guy, you know, that may be one way to go. You know, if you're going to go out, go out with a bang. Um, we, I, I, is it morbid that we were laughing before the show about if we were going to choose how we were going to go? I actually was not. I just want to point that out. Not a part of this conversation. <laughs> if I had to choose how I was going to go, um, uh, well, first of all, it's hard for me to even, even think about that because I, 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 you know, I get upset when I accidentally step on a snail outside walking gator at night. And I hear that I hear the little body crack. I get upset about that. But on a serious tip. It can be controversial with Christians about whether or not I don't see it's the same thing. I don't think that if you're pro-life when it comes to babies in the womb, that you have to be anti-death penalty. No, it's different. It's different. I think it's absolutely different. I do think that there if you want to make an argument that all life is precious and that I, I, you know, understand that there are some people that say, well, it really doesn't bring the person back. It doesn't solve any um, it doesn't it, it doesn't solve the problem for the family that's lost a loved one. But here's my thoughts on that. It, when when it comes to crimes, it's the state against the individual. When somebody's prosecuted for murder, they're not representing the family of the vic- the families of the victim. They're representing the state because it's about taking somebody who's a menace to society off the streets. Well, look at it like this too. If nothing is done, and let's say people know they can get away with it, people are also going to continue to keep doing those crimes. Some people say that it's not really a deterrence. Well, maybe it would be a deterrence if we started flipping some switches, right? Why are we taking it easy on somebody that, you know, has has killed somebody else? And I am aware that there are people that have been convic- convicted of murder and even face the death penalty who are innocent. I'm aware of that. And I that's why I believe in a vigorous defense of, uh, I believe in defense attorneys because it's the it's what keeps uh, an overreaching government from you know persecuting and prosecuting uh, like was what uh, was attempted to be done against Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, but in the end, there's there's you know, and I would rather the innocent go, uh, the guilty go free than an innocent person be executed. But that's not a reason to not have this this crime this punishment for this crime. And if we started flipping more switches, I guarantee you that people would be thinking more before what we see in this crime spree happening across this country right now, where you are seeing old people um, being smacked, come up and being cold cocked and punched in the face and falling to their death in the street kind of crap happening in this country. Well, Andrea, even people that are sitting on death row, sometimes they sit on on death row for years before anything even happens. Well, right. And it can take and some people are saying that the family of this guy said that, um, no, the family of his victim said, well, what took so long? He was convicted in 2008. That's actually quick compared to a lot of people that sit on death row for decades. That's one thing. And maybe, you know, the answer. I've never understood it. If you're on death row, how shouldn't that go a lot more quickly? 
Well, it depends. I mean, if there are legit grounds for appeal, and I think there's an automatic appeal in death penalty cases, um, it can be dragged out way too long. I think there should be an appeal because I think that there should be another set of eyes on the situation. You got to make sure you get it right. Um, you got to make sure you get it right. Um, Scott Peterson, his death penalty conviction was overturned because there was bias on the court on the, on uh, the jury, and I think it was the juror that was nicknamed Strawberry Shortcake that had had um, she was biased. And they overturned, I think the judge overturned the death penalty at this point. I mean, it's been 20, what, 20 years. So um, there you have it. All right. I was curious what you guys thought on that. We are going to take a break. When we come back. Oh, there's no election fraud happening. There's no, there's nothing going on except guess what somebody found. Guess what a resident up in Los Angeles area found on their street yesterday. We're going to talk about that when we come back. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea Kay, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. You can, in addition to calling us live here, 888-344-1170. You can also email me, andreakayshow.com. I got an email, that uh, multiple emails. People love Jesse Jane Duff last night, andreakayshow.com. And joining us now on the caller hotline is Jeff from St. Louis. He's got something he wants to say about the death penalty. Are you... Pro, are you yay or nay on that death penalty, Jeff from St. Louis? I'm pro. I'm pro death penalty. I was just telling your call screener a few minutes ago. I was just a state witness for the state of Missouri for an execution <gasps> about a week ago. Oh and wow! Okay, yeah. okay. Hold up, hold up. Tell us what. The, tell us about the case, and then tell us your experience at the case, what it was about, and how you ended up being an eyewitness and what that was like. Well. Uh, his name was Carmen Deck. He was convicted, oh, probably 20 years ago. His his case was appealed multiple times over a case of 20 years. Um, he killed an el- elderly couple just down the road from me, and oh. it was a it was a double murder robbery. Um, and so he was sent to death row. His death penalty sentence was overturned multiple times. Finally, just lately, within the last month or so. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said, you're done. The governor of Missouri said, you're done. Let it go forward. Um, I became a witness. I wrote a letter to the Department of Corrections and volunteered to be a witness, and they selected me to be a witness. Um, I spent 11 years in the military, and part of that uh, tour in the military was a, was as a corrections officer, so I have a, a background in corrections. So I, I submitted a letter. They selected me as a witness, and I drove down to Bontair, Missouri, and witnessed the, the execution. All right. Um, wow. Um, what was, how was he executed? And please describe your experience. Uh, lethal injection here in the state of Missouri. Um, the execution took place at, at 6 p.m. Uh, I got there around 4.30, went through the, the briefing and the whole nine yards, went inside the prison. Well, hang on just uh, a second. Tell us, tell us about the briefing. What, how did, what did they brief you about and how were you feeling in that moment? Take us there. Um, and the, the director of, of the Department of Corrections comes into the room and, and tells you what you're about to witness, and, and they go through a standard protocol of what you need to know and about the case and the whole nine yards. So after that briefing, then it's just a waiting period until they take you back to the execution chamber. Um, so once I was in the execution chamber at 6 o'clock, they opened the curtains, and he was laying on a gurney, and as soon as they opened the curtains, there, there are three windows that they're all mirrored. We, we can see him, but he can't see us. So there's one in front, one on the left, and one on the right. 
Okay, um, so uh, so in that moment they opened the curtains, were you still, because I'm starting to get a feeling in my stomach just imagining this, what that would be like, even though I knew that he, I'm imagining that even if I knew that I could see him and he couldn't see me, I might still feel like, can he see me? Can he see me watching him? It's very intimate. Right. No, he, he can't see you at all. It's, it's, it's all mirrored on his side of the window. So but how are you feeling that. in that moment? Um, I was completely calm. This is not my first execution that I've oh. been a witness for in the state of Missouri. So this is, okay. I've, I've done, I've been a witness several times. Um, what is this like a hobby for you, Jeff? No, I just feel like it's a civic duty just as going like for jury duty. And, okay. and that's what I explained to the department of corrections. I just feel like I'm fulfilling my, uh, you know, civic duty. Well, um, is it because before we continue with your story, it, um, it, why do they need witnesses? Um, basically I, I would imagine it's just to cover the state of Missouri to make sure there is nothing wrong. Nothing okay. goes wrong. Um, I'm, I so think you're there to fine. bear witness that nothing untoward happened. They followed procedure. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so they opened the curtain and he looked right at the state window. And I think he thought that's where the family, uh, of the victim was. And he mouthed the words, I'm sorry, I'm <sighs> sorry twice. Wow. Um, so he straightened his head back out and then his eyes began to flutter as they began the, the injection of the, of the chemicals and basically closed his eyes and his mouth slightly dropped open. And within, uh, I think they pronounced him dead at six ten PM. So it was very quick. It was very peaceful, very calm. Um, to those who think that this is cruel and unusual punishment, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, it was a very, very humane way to execute somebody, very much unlike the cruel and unusual punishment that he put his his victims through. But, of course, you know, the left doesn't want to hear that. So um, there's a bunch of protesters outside the prison doing their normal protest thing. So but I was, out, you know, I was out there by by 630. So it was real quick, real, real sudden and signed the witness statement and I left to go home. So it was well, a real I find it absolutely fascinating. I I don't know if you heard me earlier. I've it's something that, you know, I as a kid, I used to, you know, fantasize that I might be a prosecutor at some point and I, I have always believed in our justice system and that um I'm somebody that that, you know, follows the law and I believe in uh, punishment and, yeah. and and for your crimes and I think that uh, I think that when you take the life of another human being, I think that you you know, um, some people, but as a Christian, some people argue with me and say, but that's not for us to judge. We're judging. Well, yes, we should be judging as a society. What is right yeah. and what is wrong for our society? Yes, Jeff? Yep, I, I agree. I correct 100%. Um, yeah, I, I just, it was, uh, like I said, this wasn't my first execution that I've been a witness to, but um, he, he came out and fully admitted what he had done. And, um, and of course, his attorneys wanted to stop everything, but, you know, it took like, I think they said over two decades that he's been in prison in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so just on death row. So way, way, way overdue. Do you think, do you think last question before I have to let you go? um, I think it might possibly be a greater deterrent if we did this more often. We didn't allow these appeals to drag out for 20 something years. And if we actually made them available to the public to witness your thoughts on that. I fully agree. I, in my personal opinion, I think anybody who is convicted, convicted, and is sentenced to death row, they should get one appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, no matter how long it takes. And once that 
appeal is denied by the Supreme Court, I think they should be executed within 24 hours. Boom. Instead of sitting on death row for 10, 15 years. I mean, that's just that is just a lot of agony for the family to go through because every time there's an appeal and they go back to court, they just relive this over and over and over again. And I think I think that in itself is cruel and unusual punishment to put the family through that over and over again. I agree. Well, Jeff, thank you for doing your civic duty and calling in tonight. God bless, man. All right. You take care. Good, good talking to you. Thank Bye. you. All right. Wow. Fascinating. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. I will bring you all that story that's shocking regarding the election. Uh, a woman up in L.A., what she found on the street. Stay tuned for that. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. A.K., Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer, San Diego. Oh, there's nothing to worry about with mail-in ballots, right? Nothing untoward can happen with those. That was the safest election we ever had in November 2020, right, DJ Taterskins? Oh, it's, it's easy. It's convenient. You know, put a stamp on it. You mail in your ballot. You're done. Yeah. Well, except maybe everywhere, right? Okay, so just last week, uh, this um, the Los Angeles County Registrar's Office and uh, United States Postal Service are investigating now after 104 ballots were found unopened on the sidewalk in East Hollywood. So the ballots were found by a Christina Rapace, who was walking her dog Saturday evening. And so here's what she, how she describes it. I turned the corner and I just saw this box of envelopes and it was a USPS box. Um, I picked some envelopes up and saw that they were ballots, she says. Um, this is very faint article. I'm going to need readers soon. That's the reality, folks. Rapace said she took them home for safekeeping while trying to figure out what she was going to do, do, uh, next about it. She sent videos of the ballots to popular social media accounts to share the content and ask for guidance on what to do next. She says she called, uh, several politicians and the LA County Sheriff's Department. Uh, quote, I actually called the Sheriff's Department. I couldn't get through. So I emailed them. She said, I got an email back from a deputy basically in so many words saying, wasn't their problem and to contact the USPS. (laughs) Now, it's just an election. The most important aspect of our society, because nothing matters if elections don't matter. Uh, That seems vaguely familiar in some of the things we were reading about, though, let's say November. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, She says that after much back and forth, the L.A. County Registrar's Office, uh, they told her that it wasn't their problem to contact USPS. So um, Rapace says after much back and forth, the L.A. County Registrar's Office got in contact with her about picking up the ballots. And Registrar Dean Logan personally drove to pick up the ballots. What a hero, right? He, Logan, she says, picked them up. I made sure he was legit. He gave me a card and took a photo of the box. A business card? (laughs) Like anybody can print a business card saying I'm the registrar of voters, right? I mean, that's not exactly credentials. You should have actual um, company ID, right, from the county, uh, the county ID or county badge, actually, is the registrar of voters. 
Uh, she described the process as stressful. She says it was so much stress. And for just one person to get back to me, what do I do here? She said, now if it happens to someone else, they don't know what to do. Uh, they'll just put them in a dumpster or throw them in the trash can. I just don't think it should have been this hard to figure out what to do with these legal ballots. Correct. This is why you don't have mail-in ballots at all, period. This is insanity that we're doing this, that our elections involve ballots sitting in the street. She goes on to say, this is a country of freedom and our vote should matter and something like this should never happen. Right. Which is why we should have never had mail-in ballots in the first place. And we shouldn't have them now. We shouldn't have absentee ballots unless you're in the U.S. military. And it should be one day voting uh, at, at um, in person with a paper ballot. And there should be no motor voter where we know hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens registered to vote just in California alone on the DMV website. The L.A. County Registrar's Office released a statement. They said, quote, our office was notified over the weekend of a mail tray found containing approximately 104. How is 104 approximately? That's very specific. 104 unopened outbound vote by mail ballots and additional mail pieces. What was the additional mail pieces? That's what I'm curious about. There's more to this story here, peeps. Thanks to the cooperation of the person who found the ballots. She has a name. Uh, We were able to quickly respond, quickly respond. She couldn't get a hold of nobody for a while. Imagine if she wasn't an honest citizen, what she could have done with those 104 votes. Is that why they were left on the street by the USPS? In East LA? Not exactly a heavy Republican area. She goes, we were, uh, they were, uh, according to the Office of the Registrar of Voters, we, we're so glad we were able to quickly respond and coordinate the secure pickup of the, the ballots. What to coordinate? You drove to our house. <laughs> like it was a like tactical operation. Right. Like there was some handoff. We have reissued new ballots to the impacted voters. Why do you need to reissue new ballots? Why not just contact them or send them where they were supposed to go in the first place? So now these same impacted voters, there's two ballots in their name. Why did we need a second set of ballots to be reissued to these people? The USPS, the story is supposed to be the USPS didn't mail them to those people. We'll just mail them to the people. Give them back to the USPS and tell them to mail them. Why did you need to reissue new ballots? Sounds like uh, the security of the 2020 election is going to be just the same as the midterms this year. Right. Early signs, continuing with the quote, early signs indicate that this was an incident of mail theft and not a directed attempt of disrupting the election. Can you explain to me the difference, Kins? How is it mail theft if they're just then left on the street? So they were stolen from the USPS? How? Where's the investigation into how these 104 ballots were stolen from the USPS. We know that in 2020, there was a USPS worker that drove a bunch of ballots, was found in, in Pennsylvania with New York ballots. What's going on with the USPS? Just, oh, just, just a casual incident of mail theft involving ballots. Uh-huh. Early so- oh, sorry, rather. Um, we are cooperating with the United States Postal Service and law enforcement to investigate. <laughs> who y'all bringing in to investigate the same people that cooked up that fed napping plot pretending that governor whitmer was was um at, under threat of being kidnapped uh so that you could 
you know, sway the outcome of the election, saying that there's all these Trump people out there threatening to kidnap, uh, you know, governors around the country. And these these Trump people are all a bunch of white supremacist in militia groups. And uh, as was alleged. Uh huh. Security protocols such as signature verification are continuing the quote. Security protocols such as signature verification are in place to protect against any misuse or wrongdoing of vote by mail ballots. Well, what happened to the original set of ballots? They said they reissued ballots. Why did they reissue them? And did they destroy the first batch? And where's the proof that they destroyed them? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling really dang good about these midterms. The primaries that are happening right now. Thanks to y'all for being here tonight. Thanks to the listeners, the callers. Thank you, Financial Thought Doctor. We'll see you all tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.